Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Goodness, it's been 13 years now. Be next month, I think. 13 years. I think uh, I started here. I've been going here a while. Uh, but I, I started here as pastor in 2010. And I appreciate you all. And God's been good to us. And sometimes I, I was thinking today, has it, has it been worth it? You know, because like Bryson said, it's, it's not always easy. It's not easy being a pastor. Um, then I, I was thinking while Austin Miranda was singing, I remember Austin when you walked down the aisle and you gave your heart to Jesus. And I remember hearing the news that Miranda gave her heart to the Lord at home. And I think about like them two, what God has, has many of us, God has used many of our lives to be a blessing to others. And all that's, all that's because of uh, our faithfulness to His church and just keep coming and keep praying and faithful parents. And, you know, we're all, we're all, we're all an important piece of what God is doing here at Westside. Every one of us play a huge role. And you might not think you do, but you absolutely do. And even if you think, well, all I do is come, you are a tremendous encouragement to me when you come. And you're a tremendous encouragement to other people when you come. Because it's so important that we're faithful. Amen? And our faithfulness has been a blessing through the years. Amen? Let's keep on going. Amen? Keep on going. It's important, isn't it, to be a part of a church? I read the other day, it's not just important to go to church, it's important to love your church. And I want to encourage you to love your church. Don't just go to church. Don't just be a part of the church, but love your church. Amen? Amen. Love your church. It's not always easy to love people, is it? Remember, when I, I want you to know that when I say love your church, I'm not thinking about love where you go to church. No, love, love the people you go to church with. Love them. Amen? Genesis chapter number 12. As Jason has mentioned, we're going to try something a little different this morning. I, I want you to know that everything that we do... It is, we are, we're trying our best to do what God wants us to do. I want you to know that. Uh, there's not none of this shooting from the hip most of the time. It's considered, discussed, prayed over. And I, I want us to try this today. So, like Jason mentioned, a lot of times after a Sunday morning dinner, we, we drag back in here Sunday night, and our, our numbers are down, and it's discouraging. It's, 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 it, it doesn't edify us. And we want to do things that edify us. And we want, to, we want our church to serve us, to, to serve people and meet the needs of people and to be able to adapt and to be able to do things that, to minister and edify people. And so to, today the plan is, of course, that we're going we're gonna, to uh, get done here, we're going to go eat and fellowship, and then we're going to come back in, sing a couple of hymns, and uh, take communion together. And then we'll be done for the day. So we won't have to go home and digest and pry ourselves back and come here and be exhausted. We want to be able to serve. We want people to be served and ministered to. So we're going to try it today. And if it works out, praise the Lord. If it don't work out, praise the Lord. Amen. We won't, we won't do it again. Uh, but uh, I, don't want, I want to encourage you today to, uh, to hang around, not get in a rush, uh, just relax. And uh, even, after, even after lunch, I almost said dinner. We're in the South. We call it lunch. Amen. After lunch... Uh, 
just, just relax, and when we're all about through, we're all finished up, we'll just come in here and uh, we'll take communion together. Amen? And we'll just enjoy each other's company and the presence of the Lord. Amen? All right, Genesis chapter number 12. If you're there, say amen. Amen. Let's begin at verse number 9. The Bible says, And Abram journeyed going on still toward the south. And there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there. For the famine was grievous in the land. And it came to pass when he came near, and near to enter into Egypt, he said unto Sarai his wife, Behold now, I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Now that, at first she's probably thinking, Thank you, Abraham. Thank you for the wonderful compliment. I read this past week that there's a portion of the Dead Sea Scrolls that it was some ancient text describing the beauty of Abraham's wife and how beautiful she was and how renowned her beauty was. And so Abraham, if he just stopped there, then that would have been great. So verse 11, he says, you are a fair woman to look upon. That's a romantic statement, isn't it? Brittany, you're a fair woman. <laughs> Amen. But then Abraham, like a lot of husbands do, they keep talking. <laughs> I told you this is a lapse in Abraham's faith. There's a lot that goes wrong. And that's the sermon. So Abraham leaves the promised land and everything starts going wrong. That's the sermon. Abraham leaves. He... he be, He's obeying God, but then he starts living a life of disobedience, and everything starts going wrong. Did you hear that? Abraham left the will of God, and everything started falling apart. So but then in verse 12, after he says, You're a fair woman to look upon, Sarah. Verse 12, he says, Therefore it, it shall come to pass, when the Egyptians shall see thee, that they shall say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Verse 13, Abraham says, Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister. Of course, she is his half-sister. Of course, we know that it may be well with me for thy sake. And you see what he's doing? He's saying, you're so good-looking, honey. When we get down to Egypt, let's tell people we're not married. So they won't kill me. And this will be good for you. Husbands have been the same a long time, haven't they, ladies? So again, so he's, you look great, and, but when we get down there, let's say we're not married. So it's a half-truth, but half-truths are very dangerous because they're seductive. They're not so blatant. A half-truth is more dangerous than a full-on lie because it, it's seductive in the point that it gets you to play along into the lie that is 100% a lie because he's saying that he's not married, but he really is. So a half-truth is, is seductive. So he says it's going to be good for you if we act like we're not married. Verse 14, And it came to pass that when Abram was coming to Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman that she was very fair. The princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. So what happened back then, Pharaoh had these princes, and he would, they would go around the land looking for all the pretty women, and the ones they think the Pharaoh would like, they would get her if she wasn't married and take and take them to be Pharaoh's wife. Verse 16, 
And he had treated Abraham well for her sake. And he had sheep and oxen and he asses and men servants and maid servants and she asses and camels. So think about so Abraham loses his wife, goes to Pharaoh's house, and then he gets rich. <laughs> so it may be well with me, Sarah, for thy sake. But look at verse 17. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because Sarah, Abraham's wife. And Pharaoh called Abraham and said, What is this that thou hast done unto me? Why dost thou not tell me that she was thy wife? Why, would, why saidest thou she is my sister? So I may have taken her to be my wife. Now therefore behold thy wife and take her. Go thy way. So he said, I don't want her. You take her. She's wrecking my life. I'm being plagued. God is wrecking my life for, for this. Verse 20. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away and his wife and all that he had. Our Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we thank you for this time. Continue, we pray, for your Son's sake to bless our church. Help us, Lord, to seek to do your will. And when we come short of it, please, Lord, quickly convince us and convict us and chasten us that we might quickly get back on track. Lord, we seek to do thy will and open our hearts to receive and hear your word. Lord, so we can know the way that we should take. Lord, these things were written for our example. Lord, I pray today we'll see the example of a lapse in Abraham's faith. And Lord, that we, Lord, would take it into our lives. And Lord, stay obedient when things are hard. We love you, we praise you, and thank you. In Jesus, your name we pray. Amen. So last week, we kind of we, we diverted from the narrative, and we, we stumbled upon a doctrine. And the doctrine that we stumbled upon was that faith will be tested. All faith is tested. And when you pass the test, then you can be assured that your faith is genuine and real. Because you continued on a path of obedience, even when it was uncomfortable, when it wasn't convenient, when it cost you hardship... When it was hard, you kept following Jesus. And that gives you assurance that you really do believe on Jesus because you are forsaken your life. You've denied yourself. You're taking up a cross and you're following him. And so all true faith is tested. And here Abraham's faith is tested. And I believe, as I said last week here, that this is a lapse in Abraham's faith. There is no perfect life of faith for any believer in this life. There is no perfect repentance on this side of heaven. And all of us have a lapse in faith. Now Abraham had this lapse in faith. And I think it's a lapse in faith because I don't see anywhere that God told Abraham to go to Egypt, number one. God told Abraham twice to go to Canaan Lane. He never once told him to leave it. Number two, I think it's a lapse in faith because God never appeared to Abraham in Egypt. God appeared to Abraham in Canaan land. Right when Abraham went to Canaan land, God appeared to him. I see no, no, no reference that God is reassuring Abraham that he's doing the right thing. And if God is not reassuring you that you're doing the right thing, then you must be doing the wrong thing. Amen? If the Holy Spirit isn't saying yes, then do not go. And so God did not appear to Abraham on his way to Egypt. And also we see the evidence of this, this choice to go to Egypt in Abraham's life because while he was there, Abraham's behavior eroded while he was living there. And that's what happens to us. We get out of the will of God and to remain in the, out of the will of God, we make all these, 
all these poor choices. And we have all the, these character flaws start showing up. You know, like to tell a lie, you got to keep lying, something like that. And so Abraham's character begins to erode while he's living there. He's not living a blessed life while he's there. But nevertheless, we find that Abraham's obedience was tested while he's in Canaan land with a, with a terrible famine. And we know the Bible says in verse, in verse number Verse number 10, it was a grievous famine in the land. And so how did Abraham deal, choose to deal with this grievous famine in the land? He chose to deal with this problem by going south into Egypt. That's how he chooses to deal with the problem. He leaves. He chooses to deal with this problem by being disobedient to God. That's how Abraham chooses to deal with this problem. He becomes disobedient to God. All throughout the Bible, Egypt is always a picture and a type of the world. It's, always, it's never referenced in a positive light. It's always, it's always the idea of the opposite of Canaan land, the opposite of a life, a blessed, obedient life in the will of God. So Abraham, when things get hard in his walk of faith, we, can, we begin to realize that he has a lapse and he goes back into the world or heads the wrong direction. And so Abraham deals with his issue by going out into the world. Hey, that's not the answer, is it? That's not the answer. It's never the answer to get out of church, is it? So we think, why do I say it like that? You say, well, the church, going to church isn't Christianity, but one of the, one of the greatest evidences that you are following Jesus is, is that you will be faithful to church. And my observation through the years is when you become unfaithful to church, it's one of the greatest telltale signs that you're drifting away from God, that you're drifting out there in the world, that you're drifting away from His fellowship. I've noticed that when you're in church, I know you can, you can get out of the will of God sitting in a church pew, but the trend is normally when you get outside of fellowship with His church, then you are in fellowship with the world. Amen? I saw this statement this pastor said. It was wonderful. It went viral. Many of you probably noticed it. Many people say, well, I don't have to be a Christian and go to church. That's true, but I don't have to be married and stay at my house either. I can be married and never go home. But if I never go home to my wife, then my relationship and my marriage will suffer, won't it? And if I never attend church and never faithful church, then my relationship to God, it will suffer, won't it? And so we see that Abraham deals with this problem by he goes out into the world, i.e. Egypt. Now everything that Abraham do, is doing, though, it seems, it seems reasonable, don't it? It does. It don't seem like he's doing anything bad. It actually looks like he's doing right. I don't have any food in Canaan land. Things aren't going well in Canaan land. My kids aren't doing so good here in Canaan land if he had one at the time. My family is struggling here in Canaan land, and it seems reasonable. Where are you going, Abraham? I'm going where life's going to get better. Oftentimes, disobedience seems reasonable at first. It seems like the thing to do. It seems the natural thing to do. It's hard here, so I'm going to move over here where it's easier. But if it's outside of the will of God, it will turn to trouble every single time. And we see it in the life of Abraham here, don't we? So he leaves Canaan land because it got hard, and his choice to leave Canaan land, it creates a whole new set of problems for him. So he has to tell his, his, his wife that she's really his sister and not his wife. He places Sarah in danger. 
He places his family in danger because he gets out of the will of God. Did you hear that? His wife is in danger because he disobeys God. Father, if you disobey God, your wife's spiritual life will be in danger. Your children will be in danger. And so Abraham leaves because it's hard, and then he puts his family in danger. It seems reasonable at first, but disobeying God is the most unreasonable thing that you can do because it always negatively impacts your family spiritually. And so while he's there, he's got a a whole other set of problems. So his wife's taken into another man's home. This, even this other man's home is plagued and afflicted with, with sorrow and affliction. It puts innocent people in danger. And so Abraham's choice to disobey God created a whole new set of problems. And it always does, don't it? It always does. How many times have you said, I wish I never drifted away? How many times have you thought in your heart when you did, I should have never got out of church? I should have never quit I should have stayed faithful. Disobedience to God always creates a whole nother set of problems. Amen? It always does. Listen, you can count on it. It is a guaranteed result. You disobey God and your life will begin to fall apart. It will. You say, oh, you're just saying that to scare us. No, I'm saying it because it's true. It's true. The prodigal son is a great example of that. Remember, just a few weeks ago I told you his greatest sin was the first step outside of a right relationship with his father. It wasn't when he was in the pigsty wishing he could eat the watermelon husk. No, it's when he left fellowship with his father is when his life began to fall apart. And a life of disobedience always creates a whole new set of trouble. Did you hear that? If you're taking notes, I would write that one down. A life of disobedience always leads to a whole new set of trouble. It always creates drama. It always creates hardship. It always creates regret. It always makes you make decisions that aren't right. It always puts your family in danger. It always creates lies, and it always creates hardships. Every time. Every time. Did you hear it? A life of disobedience always creates bigger problems. It always creates greater issues. It always does. So that leads us to a question then. It was hard in Canaan land. It was a famine in the land. So Abraham has to deal with this this dilemma. There's a famine in the land and my family is suffering. Do I stay or do I go? And so that leads to a good question, don't it? When times are hard, should you go to a place that could compromise your faith or should you use your faith and trust God for the outcome? That's the question, isn't it? When times are hard, should I leave? Should I compromise my relationship with God? Or should I use my faith in God and trust God with the outcome? So here's the question in Abraham's life. Should I stay in a famine and trust God for the outcome? Or should I leave and go find my own way? Because this way, my way, appears easier. Should I keep following Jesus because it's hard or should I get out of this because my life would be easier in this moment if I went my own way? That's the question, isn't it? You know, faith never takes away your problem. Faith takes you through the problem. Faith never takes away the problem, it doesn't. 
I used to think that if I believe hard enough, then all my problems would go away. But I'm finding out that's not how it works. Faith doesn't take away the problem. Faith gets me through the problem. Faith, faith is trusting in God not to change the outcome or the, or the problem. It's trusting God to endure hardships that he can, he can create a better outcome. Faith is getting through, not trying to get a way out. One of the fourth, fourth fruits of being born again, the fruit of the Spirit, is long-suffering. That One of the fruits of Christianity is, is that you have the ability to suffer long through hardship and pain. That's Christian fruit. So the, the a, a, a fruit of faith is the ability to endure hardship when it's hard. And so should you compromise your faith or should your faith be used to trust God for the outcome? Dr. Adrian Rogers, a great preacher, said, I've told you before, that faith is like film. It is best developed in the dark. Your faith has to be tested. Your faith has to go through hardship. And your faith will never grow if you become disobedient to God when things get hard. You'll never know how strong God is until you lean on Him when your life is falling apart. You'll never know His strength. We sung about it today. I put a paper mark in the book. Life is easy when you're up on the mountain, isn't it? When you've got peace of mind like you've never known. But then things change, don't they? There's a famine in the land. You're down in the valley. Don't lose faith, child, for you're never alone. Amen? We talk of faith when we're up on the mountain. But talk comes easy when life's at its best. It's down in the valley of trials and temptations. That's when faith is really put to the test, isn't it? So when life is falling apart, should you disobey God or should you trust God, no matter how hard it is, that He will bring out a positive, a righteous outcome? Abraham should have stayed in the middle of a famine. The outcome would have been better for his family, for, his, for everybody involved, if he would have only endured when things got hard, instead of creating his own path out, he should have trusted, he should have used faith in God and trusted God for the desired outcome, not trying to go his own way. Every time you go your own way, it always leads to a new set of problems. Amen? Faith is tested, and faith that passes the test is blessed by God. Don't run away. Don't run away. In the book of Peter, 1 Peter chapter number 1, verse number 7, Peter says that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. That the trial of your faith, the hardship of your faith, the testing of your faith is more precious than of gold that perisheth. You know, your life might be hard right now and falling apart, but that is what God wants for your life. 
He is testing you and trying you and challenging you and afflicting you and it's hard and it's rough, but he's still the God of the valley. He's the God of the famine. He's the God of the funeral. He's the God of sickness, the God of hardship, the God of the hospital. He's the God of the mountaintop, of the daytime and the nighttime. You have to ask yourself this question. Should I disobey God or should I trust God no matter how hard it is and I trust God for the outcome? Job said, when he hath tried me, circle the word tried, when he hath tried me, when he has afflicted me, when when it has been hard, when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold when he hath tried me. God has a plan for your suffering. God has a reason for your affliction. Disobedience is never the answer in the midst of hardship. Trust, have faith in God, no matter we remember, we walk by faith and not by sight. Don't walk by what you see. Don't live life by how you feel. Don't live life by how it's going today. We walk by faith and not by sight. Disobedience always leads to a new set of problems. Amen? How does this apply to our lives? We give up too easy when things are hard. Marriages are hard and we give up. Church gets hard and we give up. Friendships get hard and we give up. You think today, well, Westside ain't what I thought she would be, maybe. Or Westside's not going like I thought she would be. Then remember, you're not here to be served. You're here to serve. Amen? Let's work on it and change it and make it better. Let's solve the problem for your complaint. Because if you go over there, there's going to be a whole other set of crazy people that you're going to go to church with. And after about six or eight months, you're going to find out that they're just like them nuts that go to Westside. Just like them. All the nuts laughed. <laughs> Look, that's me. That's who I am. <laughs> when there's a famine in the land, we're so quick to get out of the trouble. When things are falling apart, we're so quick to get out of the heat or the famine or the hardship or the affliction. Don't solve your problem by running from it. Trust God for the outcome. There's been a lot of people I know of when life got hard, they turned their back on the church, forsook the faith, quit reading their Bible, stopped praying, and then for then on lived a miserable life of regret and afflictions that would not have been there if they'd only suffered in faith and trusted God and not went their own way. Disobedience to God always creates a whole nother set of problems. It always does. Just because it's hard does not mean it's time to leave. Just because it's rough does not mean it's time to quit. Just because it's difficult does not mean that it's time to drift away. We have to ask ourselves the question, when it's difficult, would I leave? Or will I walk by faith and trust God for the outcome? 
Listen, I don't know what you're facing as a Christian this morning, but I do know this. That if you keep being faithful to Jesus Christ and do what He says, then the outcome will be amazing. If you stay faithful to Him and to His church and solve problems scripturally and pray. So how do I walk by faith in the middle of a of human conflict, you, you exercise faith. Well, how? You pray for them. That's what Jesus said to do. It's living by faith. You think, I don't feel like this is going to work, but I'm going to do it. Because that's what He said. And I'm going to do what He says, and I'm going to do it in faith, and I'm going to pray for them. That's what you do. You walk by faith. You pray for them. You go talk to them. You make it right. You deal with it. You endure it. You follow Jesus. You do what He says when it's difficult. You don't t turn your back on Him. You don't quit following His commandments. You don't go your own way and start doing your own thing because then your faith is being tested and all of a sudden when it gets hard, you quit practicing what Jesus says to do. And what does that mean about you? You're not walking by faith. You're not living it out. You're not trusting Him for the outcome. You're going your own path and doing your own thing, but trust me and trust the Word of God, it will lead to more drama than you could ever imagine. More drama than you ever could have thought. You exercise your faith. You do what He says. You say, I forgive you. You love them. You, you hang in there. You make it better. You do what the Bible says. You follow Jesus. You don't go to Egypt and mess your family up to say crazy things that compromise you in ways you could have never even dreamed. Your future children won't know what God had in store for them because when it got hard, when it got difficult, you went your own way. You know, this is Pastor Appreciation Day. And I, pastoring is hard, isn't it, Brother Wiley? Very difficult. There's been so many times that I've just wanted to quit. There's been so many days that I just didn't want to go on anymore. There's so many times I didn't feel like praying. Don't be confused. Sometimes I don't feel like preaching. I don't feel like pre go home Sunday morning and after Sunday morning in the afternoon and you know, you, I eat too. I get tired too. You get all drowsy have to crack open the Bible again and start all over. Preached everything I've ever known. Start all over again and come back here Sunday night and do it again and preach everything that I've ever known and try to pick up the pieces of everything that I thought I knew or try to learn again and do it again the next week. You think, why? For what? The only thing I can think of is this. That's just what Jesus told me to do. That's it. That's what He told me to do. And I read in uh, 1 Timothy that Paul told Timothy to endure hardships. Endure hardships as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. What are you and I to do? I'm closing. To endure hardships 
And if you have and you're still following Jesus, eventually you start getting this truth in your mind. I'm following Jesus not for convenience because I've followed Him when it was hard. I'm following Jesus not because it's great all the time. I followed Jesus when it wasn't great. And then your assurance begins to grow and your faith in Him begins to build. And then you could say, I'm following Jesus because I'm following Jesus. Endure hardships as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Paul said some have shipwrecked their faith when it got difficult and hard. I want to be like Brother Wiley when he's 97 years old and I text and ask him to preach and Ruth replies, he'd love to. He'd love to. Don't ever stop. Don't ever quit. Work it out in Christian faith. Follow Jesus in the way. Amen? Don't ever stop following Jesus. You got the sermon? It's a simple one. It's easy. If you disobey God, your life will fall apart. We always do it for the sake of comfort every time. We disobey God for comfort every time. We disobey God to get out of something hard. That's why we disobey every time. That's what we do, isn't it? Every time. Don't disobey God when it's hard. Stay in the midst of a famine and say, I don't know what's going to come of this, but I'm going to trust God that He will produce a good outcome. With me and Pete, we're talking about through. I can preach a little longer because it's Pastor Appreciation Day. Some would say, you preached a long one last week. Didn't we have a good time? We did. I was talking to Sister Pete before service. It's good to fellowship before service, you know it? She said, hey, ain't nobody going to run me out of my church. It was a good conversation. We, we weren't talking about Bryson. It wasn't like that. She said, nobody. I thought, amen. Amen. We've got to work stuff out, don't we? We've got to persevere, don't we? That's often I, I, I like quotes. I like history. I tell my son Nathan a lot. The famous Churchill, Churchill quote, who was the leader of the English, of the United Kingdom during the World War II. And he said, never give in. Never Never, 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 never give in. Except for good morals or matters of conscience. Never give in. I think about that a lot. Never quit. Never quit. Never quit. Never, ever, ever quit. Except for reasons of maybe the devil wants you to do something, then quit. Amen? But never quit, Jesus. Never quit the Bible. Never quit going to church. You make it better. You live out Christianity. You serve each other. Amen? Never quit. Don't ever stop. When it's dry, you keep going. When He don't preach so good, you pray for Him and you keep going. Amen? When the preacher's tired, you get back up there again. When you preach all you know, you go preach again. When you say something dumb, you go back again the next time. You keep on going. Don't ever stop.
So one of these days when we reach the other side, we might hear our wonderful Lord and Savior say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. For thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. In the midst of a famine. Trust God. Amen? Trust God. Let's stand to our feet. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. You know, days like this make me reflect about my past. And I remember under a tent at Whittle Springs Middle School, I preached my first sermon. How long was it? 17 minutes long. That's a short one, ain't it? <laughs> That's short. <laughs> 17 minutes long. I remember right when I started preaching, being, I remember right when I, I was so nervous. Weird. Sometimes I still get that way. Not because so much I'm worried about you, I'm worried about him now. I just want to do it right, Ruth. I just want it to be right. I don't want to put on a show. I'm tired of theatrics. I'm tired of trying to entertain. I just want it to be right. The Bible, the Bible, the Bible. Amen? I remember thinking during that sermon, I mean, right when I opened my mouth, I remember thinking, he's helping me. He's helping me. I remember thinking that. I was so nervous. He's helping me. I tell you, it's a lot of joy following Jesus when you're afraid. When you're weak, when you're nervous, you don't know what to do, you just do it. He's following I'd much rather, like the Apostle Paul, wouldn't you? I'd much rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He's helping me. I can tell you all these years later, I can say beyond a shadow of a doubt, still yet, Brother Ben, still today, He's helping me. He's helping me. Never left me, nor forsaken me, gone with me all the way. Some of them are like sermons like this, a little bit low-key. But I can tell you, I know what I'm talking about. I know what's going on right now. Right now, I know He's helping me. He's helping me. He is faithful. Amen. Oh, I've drifted some. <laughs> I've went down to Egypt, haven't you? Oh, I've went down there. I know from experience, I've done some stupid things since I've been a Christian. I've had moments, lapses of faith. I've done stupid things. Anybody say amen to that? I'm talking about you too. I've done some stupid things. It's embarrassing things. You know? Can I get a witness right there? I mean just all it's embarrassing things. I've embarrassed my church. I've embarrassed my Savior. I've embarrassed my family. I've embarrassed myself. Just I'm talking about me now. Stupid things. It's just stupid. <laughs> but I tell you what, I'm glad he calls us out of Egypt, aren't you? You get back up here to Canaan land. Hey, here's where we're going to go next Sunday. You know what happened when Abraham went back to Canaan land? Remember we read, we didn't touch on it yet, but when he went to Canaan land, he built an altar in Bethel and he called upon the name of the Lord there and had a little church service. But he went down to Egypt and he came back. The first place he came after he went back to Canaan land, he went back to Bethel. 
He said, I'm going to go back to church. I'm glad when I've done some stupid things, I can come back to church, aren't you? I'm glad when I've done embarrassing, foolish, dumb things, by the grace of God, I come back to church and I heard the word of the Lord. Even the worship was convicting. I thought, how can I worship Him when I've done something so stupid? The whole program was to bring me back. Do you see it? Done some dumb stuff. You ever done some dumb stuff? Don't stay in Egypt. Don't stay in Egypt. I think God's working this morning. Say, I want a fireball sermon. Do you think God can't work in a sermon that ain't fireballs? Do you think God doesn't work in a still, small voice? You think some soul didn't hear that one statement that permeated through the sermon that when you disobey God, there will always be negative consequences? Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe that's you. And God's dealing with you. And God's talking to you. And God is speaking to you. And you're the one that's done some dumb things. <laughs> hey, but we all amen that we've all done it. What do you do? You just get out of Egypt. You get your family out. You tell your wife, I'm sorry I said that. That was dumb. And Sarah said, amen, that was dumb, Abraham. You're going to find out later on that Sarah does some dumb stuff too. And God restores it. This morning, if that's you, you're in Egypt. You drifted away. If you are his sheep, you'll hear his voice and you'll respond to him. It's time to come out of Egypt. Amen. You say, well, sometimes Canaan lands hard. Yeah, I know. That's why we, it's an exercise of faith. Don't leave when it gets hard. Use your faith. What is faith? Simply this, and I'm through, I promise you. It's doing what God says. Faith isn't a feeling. It's going working out that problem with your sister because it's hard, but Jesus said to do it, and you're going to follow Jesus in the way because He said, that's what I want you to do. That's living by faith. Don't run from... Let's say we had trouble. We're not supposed to run from each other, are we? No. I mean, you're the church, ain't we? We're the church. We've worshipped together, haven't we? We've prayed together. We've suffered together, haven't we? We've endured together. We've made it thus far, haven't we? We sure have. We sure have. If there's a need this morning, you come. Don't quit. Don't stop. You come. As we sing together, let's sing. Don't ever stop. When it's hard, don't stop. You keep on going. Go when you're bored. Go when you're tired. Go when you're afflicted. Come on, let's sing together. You come this morning.